it's probably the second or third week or maybe even longer that you've been settled in at home practicing social distancing. We're all getting used to this new way of working, which includes lots of video calls on hardworking Wi-Fi networks and home internet connections. But we're doing our part to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. And we're trying to push out information as quickly as we can because things are changing by the day. They certainly are. We're doing our part too during the COVID-19 pandemic, which is why you'll notice that our sound is a little choppy. That's the reality of producing these podcasts using online meeting software, which is wonderful, but it's so important to get the most accurate and up-to-date information out quickly. COVID-19 poses a serious risk to all of us, but especially to people living with lung cancer. We recorded this podcast late in the week of March 16th. Keep that in mind as you're listening and know that LCFA will update information as soon as it becomes available. Lung cancer, it's a tough topic. It's a disease that affects patients, families, friends, coworkers. But first, it's a disease that affects people. The Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast brings you stories about people living, truly living with lung cancer. The researchers dedicated to finding new breakthrough treatments and others who are working to bring hope into the lung cancer experience. We work with so many inspiring people living with lung cancer through the LCFA Speakers Bureau. Right now, all these folks are hunkered down at home trying to stay healthy during the COVID-19 pandemic. That's right. While we know that lung cancer patients are not more likely to get COVID-19, they are particularly at risk from complications if they do get the virus. We talked to a group of lung cancer patients about some of the ways they're staying healthy and positive while staying safe at home. Let's listen in. We go for walks. We have game night. We have movie night. Um, The kids have done some Zoom calls with their friends. You know, my daughter started crying because she realized she might not get her middle school graduation. Um, and so have to allow for some space for, for that too. And, and exercise, got to get the exercise in. Exercise. Whether it's an outdoor walk or uh, some streamed class that you get from you know, online somewhere, whatever it is, physical activity really helps chill out the mind as well. How is everybody getting exercise? I'd love to hear from, from different people. I mean, are, are you guys able to do that? Or what are some of the, the best ways that you've found to, to get your exercise in Terry? Actually, um, they closed down my Y. And so they sent us a whole bunch of videos and I have not been really great about doing all of them, but just merely by having them, it's really given me a lot more sense of I've got control. And fortunately, um, where I am, the weather is just at least 80 degrees and gorgeous out today. So I've been able to kind of go outside and play in the yard, but I've started doing a little bit of Tai Chi on my own and I don't even have to worry about being embarrassed around other people because it's just me and the video. I've done Tai Chi. With the white crane cooling its wings. and Yeah, yeah. that's okay. a good one. Um, <laughs> Elizabeth, you are a college athlete. Are you getting some exercise? Because not only are, uh, are you locked up and cooped up, but you've got two little bitty kids. 
So it's been super rainy here. Um, today is actually the first day that it's been decent. It's 73 right now and sunny. So we went for a walk today, but I had just started getting into fitness um, classes at a local studio and I had to stop that last week when my oncologist said, no, you can't go in public. But they actually are posting videos online. So I'm doing the same thing. I did that yesterday. I can barely walk today. Janet, I see your hand up. So some people in neighborhoods where it's not really crowded are able to go out and go for a walk and maintain distance. But I have a question for the group. Some people on social media are reporting that other people they encounter during their walks are making a point of coming up to them and they're trying to find convenient ways to keep their distance. Any suggestions? Ooh, I love that question. This is Kim. I know when I go on my walk, I purposely, if someone's coming toward me, I even go walk out on the street. I mean, I walk all the way around them and just create that space. Because if you stay on the sidewalk and you're passing each other, there's not much you can do. And then there are, if you're passing someone, I was walking with a neighbor and my neighbor and I were keeping our space. We walked by someone and the guy coughed right on my neighbor. I mean, that was so uncool. It's taking a while for the social distancing to really cement in people's brains, I think. But it also made me realize there are a lot of different places I can walk. I just have to avoid the, the crowded places and go take the side streets that aren't as crowded. Take the side streets and be really obvious about moving away. Yeah, I don't make any bones about it. Ivy, you have your hand up. Yeah, I was just going to say that I've had a treadmill in my basement for years and have only used it sporadically. But um, what we did right now, since, you know, the weather is really, you know, crappy in Chicago right now. And, you know, I have three men home. So we moved it upstairs and set it up so that it faces a window. And that's really, I mean, just doing that has changed things for me. And I'm using it every day and looking at the outside. And I don't know, for some reason, that makes me feel better. So just that's a very small adjustment that made a difference for me. I agree with you because I'll tell you what, I'm actually sitting right next to my treadmill and I put it in the window because I can't do it if I'm facing a blank wall in the basement. Uh, At least if I have a window, I feel like I can, you know, do a half an hour and, and feel pretty happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa, you've got your hand up. Yeah, I think the window thing is great because that's, we rained a lot last night. We've had great weather, but it rained a lot last night. So it was kind of dark and cloudy. So even just, it made me feel better just instantly opening my windows, you know, the blinds to get light in. But um, I'm lucky I have pretty good weather here. So I'm able to go outside and um, my dog's really excited because now we walk twice a day instead of once a day, (laughs) which is nice. Um, I have a great park by my house and um, it's got a lot of big soccer fields. So it's kind of nice. I kind of stay in that grassy area because I can see for big distances. So if there's anyone nearby or whatever, it's easy to avoid if they start coming my direction. But I want to say there's a lot of great free, um, I do yoga videos on YouTube. There's a lot of great free ones. Um, yoga with Adrian is one of my favorites. She can, you can do something very simple and basic where she even walks you through everything if you've never done it before. So there's a lot of good free stuff online too, where you could do mini um, workouts at home. And I have some of those bands, you know, the elastic loop bands. So I've been trying to work out at home a little bit more and it's hard because you get distracted easier. Like when you're at the gym, at least I'm like, okay, I'm 
committed, but then when you're at home, it's, it's kind of hard for me to be like, after 15 minutes, I'm like, oh, I should be doing this or taking care of that instead. So it's harder. I guess I just have to do it in smaller time frames to keep my attention or to stay focused on it. But I, I have a question for everybody, and maybe it's just a challenge here in Los Angeles, but how are you managing the grocery shopping? I had a neighbor call me this morning. He went um, to the grocery store. He had to wait 45 minutes just to get in. Oh, golly. Laura, you were waving your hand. Yeah. So I'm in New York, which um, kind of has blown up on the um, on the COVID area. So we, um, in fact, today, yeah, everything just keeps getting worse every single day. Um, so I have two challenges, just the not getting sick and, like everybody else. And I also had surgery a week ago. Um, so I really don't want to get sick of any type because I don't want to be infected and end up in a hospital right now. Obviously, it's the last place anyone wants to be. So um, we have had delivery services. And my brother mentioned that, you know, you have to sort of have the delivery set up almost a week in advance, if not more. So um, on Tuesday, we signed up for that. And we're picking up the groceries on set Sunday. And that is a better way to avoid going in grocery stores. Unfortunately here, there are quite a few people that are still um, acting as business as usual, even though we have about 21 cases in a very small county and it's clear it's in the community and the county has um, informed us as such. So you kind of have to idiot proof, I guess <laughs> I would say. And, and just think about, is it really necessary and limit the number of times that you go? That's good advice. I'm going to go to Ivy really quick here. So um, I was also just going to add, um, we looked at that in our community yesterday for delivery and everything was, it seemed like it was more than a week out for delivery timing, but then we found that a lot of the local grocery stores also have a pickup service, which, you know, basically you tell them it's like delivery, but all you have to do is drive over there, you call them when you get there, and they come and put it in your car. So, I mean, that also minimizes a lot of, you know, the exposure. And that was just two days as opposed to several weeks. So I just wanted to mention that that might be an option for people also who don't want to get out and go to the grocery store. Uh, Elizabeth, did you have your hand up? Yeah, I'm going to reiterate that our grocery stores, um, there's a couple local stores that have opened the first three hours of every day are for only high risk patients, um, which is really nice. The local Kroger's are now the first hour before opening anyone who's 60 or older, which obviously I do not fit that category. So that's kind of upsetting, but that's okay. I wonder uh, if you could talk to them and just say, hey, look, here's my situation. I have not left my house since last Wednesday. Mm. So <laughs> I am not planning on going anywhere, but otherwise I um, am able to, like a friend's husband was going to the grocery to Costco actually and she sent me a text and said hey what do you need from Costco Brian's going and then he just left it 
on my front porch. And to the earlier question, my husband, Michael, wipes everything down, throws everything away, you know, is very, we're very cautious about that when someone does leave um, food for us on the front porch. What a blessing to have somebody helpful like that. It is very nice. Yeah. I'm going to go to AJ. You've patiently had your uh, hand up for quite some time. I was just going to say that strategically what we did is when, when all the hype got crazy and the grocery shelves were completely empty, uh, we just decided to, to get sacks of rice and beans and lentils that are not in tins, but just bags of them. And it seems a little harsh, but it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, it's rice and beans. It's creative with stock cubes of, you know, vegetable stock cubes and uh, making the rice with that, throwing in whatever we can. I mean, we can, we can put garlic powder, onion powder, and this is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, and because I am concerned that if someone steps out and brings it home, I could be in trouble. And so we just decided to hunker down and do this and then just try to, to, you know, get some fresh air by going out at times when we think people are not out, but so many people are at home now that we see a lot of people outside. So you definitely have to cross the street or walk on the road if somebody's coming at you um, because you don't want to have that conversation or interaction. And that's how we're trying to keep sense of this, keep our minds active, uh, you know, play games. I continue to work full time, fortunately able to work from home. So that keeps me busy. Um, but these are really unprecedented times and it calls for, you know, drastic action, which is, you know, just eating the same food day in, day out. It can get mundane, but we're trying to be creative. And those are the, in those ways we can, stretch our supplies they don't they don't go bad very quickly i mean rice can sit around and beans unless you cook them they don't they don't go rancid or anything so so those are my advice is that for people in our condition um we need to limit not only ourselves but all the members of our household i got all my college kids everyone's at home and it's a big household just sitting around every day doing nothing so we're trying to get creative and, and do things and, and uh, maybe side projects are being, uh, uh, being worked on. That's great. Uh, I am trying to unmute you, Juanita. I got it. There you go. So what I wanted to share was um, the grocery stores by us, the big ones. So we have one called Food for Less. Um, oh God, we have quite a bit jewels, all that stuff. And they've been so crazy, especially the ones closer to me where there's actually police officers out there controlling the line. That's how bad it is. Good heavens. Now the mom and pop store in my community, which are Mexican owned little stores and they have all the meats. So Steve and I, we hit those places and we stocked up on chicken, beef, pork chops, all that stuff. You know what I love about this? Thank you so much. What I love about this conversation is everybody sort of sharing these ideas and neighbors looking out for neighbors and friends looking out for friends. What a bunch of incredible ideas from these people who are living with lung cancer during COVID-19. It, it makes you just appreciate that as difficult as it is for all of us, people with lung cancer are really working hard just to get what they need to stay isolated at home. Mm. 
In the meantime, lung cancer specialists on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic are working hard to share the very latest information as it pertains to lung cancer patients. We'll hear from one of those doctors next. Stay tuned. We hope you're enjoying the LCFA Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast. It's produced as part of our nonprofit mission, the support and expansion of lung cancer research accomplished by raising funds that serve to increase the public's awareness of lung cancer status as the leading cause of cancer death, inform and educate lung cancer patients in their lung cancer journey, and fund innovative lung cancer research. Information about COVID-19 is changing daily, which makes it so important to share accurate information quickly. We managed to touch base to get an update on how COVID-19 is affecting lung cancer patients from Dr. Ross Kamage, Director of Thoracic Oncology at the University of Colorado Hospital. Dr. Kamage, you are so fabulous in answering questions. And one of the things that we recently did is we went out to our speakers bureau to get the questions that were most pressing to our lung cancer patients that we work with on a daily basis. Uh, we put a list together and you were kind enough to take a look at that and, and you have some great answers. So we're just gonna shut up and let you go. All right, well, so, so here we are. And the, the situation with COVID-19 is changing so rapidly. I think it's important we recognize when, when I'm giving this podcast. So I am giving it at about 2.35 mountain time on March the 19th, 2020. And when I went to medical school, I remember the, the head professor in Oxford, he said, everything we're gonna teach you over the next few years, 50% of it is wrong. The trouble is we don't know which 50%. And that's kind of what it feels like here. So I'm gonna give you my best guess of where we are with understanding what COVID-19 means if you've got a diagnosis of lung cancer. So the first thing is, as far as we know, your risk of catching COVID-19 are the same as everyone else's, but your risks, if you catch it, of becoming more sick are going to be influenced by a number of different things. Now, some of them are the same things that influence everyone else's risk. Age, organ dysfunction, you know, if you're diabetic, um, if you're on kidney dialysis, because those things, I think, influence your ability to just hold things together when something bad is going on in your body. You know, the virus we know affects multiple organs and it's a stressor on your whole system. So if something is already, uh, you know, a few bits of falling off the bicycle, your ability to cope with that is going to be worse. But there are some things which may be specific to you if you have a diagnosis of cancer. So some things like chemotherapy we know can lower your immunity. Maybe the virus will move quicker through you. We don't actually know what immunotherapy will do. One of the things that we're starting to recognize about this virus is what makes it so bad is your body's immune reaction to it that can be exaggerated and cause some of that uh, worsening damage to the organs. We don't know if the drugs that we use in immunotherapy are tapping into the same thing, so they could worsen your risks of getting sick if you get the virus, or they may have no effect. Now, if you're not on chemotherapy, if you're not on immunotherapy, and you're just on a tyrosine kinase inhibitor, we don't really know if your risks of doing badly are any different from anyone else of the same age and fitness, particularly because your organs are likely to be in very good shape. We just don't know. There is a lot of emerging information and to some extent misinformation at present. And as we try and get a handle on the natural history of this new disease and what affects its outcomes and who catches it, you know, we just have to be able to adapt. And last week's information may be out of date. 
We also don't know about whether if you do catch the virus, whether you're going to be immune afterwards or whether you could relapse or be reinfected. So relapse, you know, maybe it goes dormant, maybe you go on a treatment, it comes back up again. Reinfection, because there's some word that there's more than one strain of the virus. So just in the same way you caught flu last year, you can then catch flu again the next year. Maybe if there's another strain of the virus that goes around, maybe your initial acquired defense won't be enough. That's still being figured out. One of the aspects in terms of the fact that you still have a serious disease, and that hasn't gone away just because the world's gone crazy with COVID-19. But certainly a lot of hospitals are, are taking the non-essential personnel away from their on-site roles. And often that means the clinical trial staff. So they're working from home, but that means there's now a bottleneck for clinical trials. They're still open, but they're having to prioritize who they put on. And at least at our site, we're prioritizing the studies where we think the treatment is really a breakthrough is likely to work and not just a, hey, it would be nice to know, you know how this trial goes. What I've heard about is there are some people who are saying, look, if I progress, they want to change me to chemotherapy or change my chemotherapy, but should I just tough it out because, you know, will that increase my risk of, of getting the COVID-19 or, or not dealing with it well? There is not a single answer to this. You have to weigh up the risk of what's going on immediately in you. Your cancer is progressing. Is that progressing rapidly? Are you highly symptomatic? versus the theoretical risk of that changing your, your risks associated with getting sick if you catch COVID-19. To be honest, most people would deal with the immediate pressing danger. Sure, if your cancer is crawling along at a snail's pace, maybe you can kick the can down the road a little bit. One of the problems is we don't know how long this road is going to be. I'm gonna give you a couple of upsides because oncologists are inherent optimists. One of the things about this COVID-19 situation is I actually think it's going to usher in virtual medicine. That means you can get local blood tests, local scans, and just have a video consultation actually paid for by your insurance. Medicare said they will pay for virtual medicine this week. I mean, that's incredible. They've never had that before. And so the ease of interacting with experts around the country is going to be much easier in the future. There's also a knock-on effect because that's also going to be clinical trials, embracing those virtual visits. So the, the days of you having to get an airplane just to travel to your clinical trial site for a blood test and for someone to say, have you got any new side effects will hopefully be much rarer in the future. So I'm gonna stop there. I'm gonna see if uh, the panel here have got any questions and we're just gonna take it one day at a time. Well, first and foremost, I wanna tell you how much I appreciate the fact that oncologists are optimists. The information in the last couple of days has been so upsetting and worrying. Um, I actually, I will tell you, I got a little bit misty when I got your email earlier saying that, that oncologists were optimists um, because it's so heartening to hear some potentially um, bright spots in what we're looking at. And I know that from talking to members of the Speakers Bureau in the last several days, we've got a number of people who are incredibly worried, incredibly concerned, very, very concerned that if uh, the healthcare system is very stressed and um, decisions are being made about ventilators, about um, care, that they're fairly low on the list. And so I think it's from, from your perspective, and I've been asking everyone that we've been talking to, the importance of the things that the public is being asked to do as it relates to folks with lung cancer, folks who are immunocompromised, 
Can you elaborate on what, what it is that we're doing and how that helps some of these people? Well, so the, the single best thing would be not to catch the virus in the first place. And I think one of the things that we're all doing is trying to slow the spread of the virus through the community so that not everybody gets sick on the same day and turns up and demands access to a ventilator on the same day. Because we can cope with chaos. That, that's what medicine is. We just don't want it all on the same day at the same time. So the idea about self-isolating, social distancing, washing your hands, um, you know, moving to more of a virtual world is to allow the virus to go through its natural history in our population, but they talk about flattening the curve. That means that even though the volume of that curve of that tsunami is the same, it's now a long, slow wave as opposed to literally a tsunami that all just smashes down on the same day. And that makes a huge difference. The reason one of the problems going on in Italy is just everything happened on the same day or in the same few days. They were just overwhelmed. So if you think about COVID-19, 80% of people are going to have almost no symptoms. Um, about 20% of people are going to get fairly severely unwell, of whom about 20% will die. Those are the latest data. So 20% of 20% is about a 4% death rate. That's not evenly distributed. We know the older people, the other people who can't cope with the bumps in the roads because of the other organ dysfunction are more likely to be in that group. So what we're trying to do is to not just protect ourselves, but protect the whole health system. So if we need it, it's there for us. Dr. Cambridge, I wanted to ask you about a report I saw uh, um, about how long the virus lives and that it can live, the report I saw, and of course reports are coming in like crazy, but I saw that it can be 24 hours on plastic. It can be possibly up to days on uh, cardboard. Have you heard anything like that? And do you have any suggestions for what our patients could do to keep themselves as safe as possible? Well, so we are, you have to understand, you know, that some data is better than no data, but it doesn't mean it's 100% accurate. So the way they do those studies is literally they, you know, drop the, the virus on a, on a piece of plastic or a piece of cardboard, and then they're trying to see if they can scrape it up, stick it in some culture media and whether it grows. That is no, nowhere near the same as saying if you then touch that surface and you stick your finger up your nose that you are then going to catch it because presumably the amount of the virus is going down. When you try and grow it in the lab, you try and optimize the conditions. You really want that virus to grow. So um, what it means is just, I mean, if I give you an example, uh, and I'm trying not to freak you out, but you know, if you go into an elevator where the, the space is the same and the air is the same, you don't know who was in that elevator before you. That's going to drive you a little bit crazy. Uh, I have to be honest, I tend to take the stairs, but there are sort of knock-on benefits of taking the stairs too. We just don't know. You just have to try and be sensible. You can't live in a bubble. You can't not touch a door handle. Um, you just have to try and minimize your risk as much as you can. And that's really helpful information. What would you say to lung cancer patients that might be reassuring? I mean, how, how, would you, how are you answering phone calls from your patients right now? Well, um, the, the funniest thing is how incredibly polite most people are. Um, this is why I love lung cancer patients. They say things like, I'm sure people have asked you this question before, and then they ask me all the questions that you've just done. Um, and we're all human beings. We're all scared. To, the, the medical staff are scared. And we just try and put it into context. Um, I think you should try and 
know two things. So the first is your medical team. Everyone who goes into healthcare trains for this kind of thing. Not that we knew it was going to be COVID-19, but we train for dealing with the uncontrollable situation. That's what medicine is. We're used to staying calm. We're used to having a black sense of humor to get through it. And your team will be there for you. They may not know all the answers, but they will try and find them out or try and give you sensible advice that may change as life goes on. The second thing I want to tell you is something that I actually heard from a patient this week. And it, it, was, it was enlightening. They said, look, Everything that you, the people who don't have cancer, are now going through, I've already been through. I know what it's like to not know if you're going to be sick or well next month. I know what it's like to not know if you're going to have enough money to make it through the week. I think, in a sense, this is the rest of the world walking in the shoes of people with cancer. And that makes you not the victims, that makes you the champions who've already been through it. We should learn from you. Oh I love gosh. that sentiment. And I guess I also wanted to ask one other question. How important is it for cancer patients, as well as the rest of us, to keep a positive outlook? Yes, we're out of control. Yes, things are, are bad right now. But we've been through bad times before. And, and how important is it for you to find a way to find beauty in every day? Does it does it make a difference as far as your health? Well, I guess two things. So uh, I have no idea if it makes your health is, 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 is any better, but it certainly makes you more fun to be around. And we're all stuck together in the same, you know, room. I, you know, Very I close I in the last few days. I mean, no, nobody wants to stay with the misery. So they used to have this thing in the Second World War of, you know, keep calm and carry on. And, you know, that's what it is. Well, Dr. Kamich, that is... Uh, very classic British advice, and we appreciate it. And we especially appreciate your time today. I know you and so many other um, healthcare workers are doing everything you can, and we're so grateful for everything that you're doing to protect people and heal people. And we're grateful for the time that you've spent chatting with us here today. It's my pleasure. Stay safe, everyone. I just love that. Keep calm and carry on. That is time-tested advice well-suited to these crazy times. Oh, I agree. Now, up next, Reasons for Optimism with LCFA co-founder and president, Kim Norris. Want more with Hope With Answers? Visit us online at lcfamerica.org, where you can find out more information about the latest in lung cancer research, new treatments, and more. You can also join the conversation with LCFA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So much has changed in lung cancer research and treatment over the past few years. It is really amazing. Oh, and it's that pace of innovation and change that's making LCFA co-founder and president Kim Norris hopeful in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. Hi, Kim, how are you? I am good, how are you, Diane? Well, you know, I feel great because I get to do all these great interviews and while we're going through a very difficult time, we all kind of feel a bit out of control. Now, the podcast is called Hope With Answers. And when I come out of the interviews, I still have this tremendous hope of a better future for all of us. And that's because of the types of things that you're doing, Kim, and what LCFA does. Um, so talk to me a little bit about what you're hearing and are you as whole as I am? 
I am hopeful. I really am. I feel like I've had a front row seat to amazing changes, rapid changes in research and technology that have directly impacted for the better lung cancer patients everywhere. And I'm seeing that even today. You know, I was listening to the news this morning as we're all engaged in trying to figure out what's going on every day. And Dr. Stephen Hahn, the head of the FDA was talking. And he was talking about looking for the vaccine and what they're doing in clinical trials and how they're working with their counterparts in, in Europe who have already experienced a lot of this. And that academia and industry and our government are all working together. And there are literally thousands and thousands and thousands of researchers working on trying to find the cure or the vaccine for this deadly virus. And you know what? I have total confidence that they will, and they'll find it sooner rather than later. And they're cutting through all the bureaucracy and it's gonna happen. And these people, these researchers are committed and dedicated and they are going to make it happen. So we just have to hang in there, do our part, hunker down as many of us are doing, listen to what they, they want us to do to help keep it to a minimum. But it's, it's gonna happen, it will. As my mother would always say, it too shall pass. Oh, my grandmother would say that all the time. I think it's just, it's kind of the the time um, that we're all rolling out some of these things that our parents and grandparents, uh, you know, Ross Kamage, he said, you know, growing up in 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 England, you know, they always heard keep calm and carry on. So I think that's what we're all doing at this point. The other thing my mother says every day, she's still alive at 91, almost 92. Bless her heart. And she says her mother talks to her all the time and her mother tells her, keep it going keep it going. I love that. Well, we're going to keep it going and uh, we're going to keep doing what we can do to get this information out and to be hopeful and optimistic and resolved and keep it going. What a great perspective from Kim. Oh, sure is. Hey, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Through the generosity of donors like you, LCFA is able to fund cutting-edge research that will lead to new treatments and protocols with the goal of greater survival rates for lung cancer patients everywhere. We can't do it without you. Consider making a donation by visiting lcfamerica.org and clicking on the Donate button. Thank you for joining us for this special episode about COVID-19 on the Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast. We'd like to thank the entire LCFA Speakers Bureau for weighing in on how they're staying safe and sane right now. And Dr. Ross Kamage, Director of Thoracic Oncology at the University of Colorado Hospital, for the very latest information about how COVID-19 is affecting lung cancer patients. And don't forget, thank you to LCFA co-founder and president Kim Norris. Join us next time. The Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast is produced by the Lung Cancer Foundation of America. Find more information online at lcfamerica.org. Thanks for listening.